extremely selfish. They have one of two things that they came to this website to do, either solve a problem or attain a dream. Can you say anything else that a service-based business does? They do one of those two things. So you need to talk about their problem or their dream, period. This is Digital Marketing. Hey, it's Marky Grass here, and I've got a question for you. What if you could legally get the emails of almost every person who visits your site? Seriously, what if you could safely and respectfully retarget your website visitors via email just by dropping a pixel onto your site? It might sound too good to be true, but our new sponsors at getemails.com can do just that. They've created a system that's compliant with U.S. laws and regulations, and every email address they send you is opted in to receive emails. So that means that you can connect your anonymous website visitors to real people and safely retarget them through email with real-time, fully compliant interactions. It might sound too good to be true, but trust me, it works. The CEO, Adam Robinson, is brilliant. And he believes in his product so much that he's willing to do something a little crazy for digital marketer listeners. If you go through their easy 30-minute onboarding process and haven't 5X your investment within the first six months, they'll give you all of your money back. To take advantage of the offer, go to getemails.com slash digitalmarketer. That's getemails.com slash digitalmarketer. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast, where we talk about everything digital marketing from strategy to every platform that you love and all the strategies you need to make your clients marketing more effective and your own more effective. So today I have a very special guest, one of our certified partners, Michael Bazinski. He's the president of Buzzworthy Integrated Marketing and the author of The Rule of 26, a best-selling book uh, that contains a three-part process to make your website conversions 100% more effective. So welcome. Thanks for having me, Mark. Yeah, we were actually uh, just hanging out at Certified Partner Training Day last week. I saw your your singing chops. Did a great <laughs> job there. <laughs> yeah, those don't get out as much as they used to. There was, there was a time, I had about a 15-year span of had a side hustle with the working band, even through oh, the Oh, really? Okay. You yeah. can tell. You got the, you got the moves, <laughs> you got the crowd all riled up. That was a lot of fun. Dave was not happy to uh, follow me. <laughs> He's usually the showcase, and then you stole it and ruined the oh, whole thing. Man, sorry, I, uh, I can't downplay it. <laughs> can't downplay it. No, and you shouldn't. You know, that's that's marketing and branding. You don't downplay anything, right? <laughs> awesome. Well, let's uh, let's jump into it. Let's talk about the the rule of twenty six and just website conversions in general. I think it's a subject that a lot of people overcomplicate, and is actually can be simpler. Right. So the rule of twenty six in includes the conversion rate, right? So the I think it's important for people to know what it is. Really, in the essence of why I created the Rule of 26 or how I came upon it was I was looking to simplify the amount of KPIs that we look at when we're marketing websites. Because if you go to like Shopify, they have like 78 KPIs. HubSpot, 38. I'm like, I'm a marketer. I've been in marketing since the dawn of digital marketing, and I don't want to look at that many KPIs. And so I wanted to start looking and identifying the revenue moving KPIs, because a lot of those KPIs that they talk about, they're important at some level, but really they're just indicators of what's to come with the actual KPIs we should be 
paying attention to. And I, you know, you talk to clients all the time and they're like, well, I don't know what a bounce rate is or what's frequency and all that, those types of things, right? What does it mean time on page versus time per visitor or time per session or unique visitors, all that other stuff, right? So I was like, okay, we need to really boil this down to where I can explain what we're going to be doing in like 30 seconds. And so there, I, I was lucky enough to find three KPIs that if we use together and increase together, we'll get a compounded effect. Well, then it was like, okay, you have to have a goal, right? So it was like, okay, where do we want to get that goal? How about doubling the revenue? Like doubling the revenue sounds good, right? Like I'll double your revenue coming from your website. Okay, that's great. What's the percentage it would take for these three working together that would get me there? It was 26%. So if we increase the unique traffic by 26%, the conversion rate by 26%, and the average revenue per client by 26%, we'll get a compounded effect of 100% more revenue coming from that website. Love it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, Google Analytics throws a zillion metrics at you (laughs) that you could break down a million different ways. And it's, people just give up. They look at, this is too complicated. I don't get it. I'm never going to get it. And now I don't care. Right. Well, I mean, KPA is only as good as your understanding of it, right? Like one of the things we use when we're doing like SEO is before you can rank, you're coming up through the rank. So if like you're not ranking for anything, then it's like, well, what other metric is actually out there that means anything? How about search engine visibility? It's one number and it's extremely, extremely easy to explain to somebody who has no idea what SEO is. Because really, that's all we're looking to do is be visible. Well, that's an indicator, right? So if your search visibility was X, and then we started working it with it, but the keywords we're working on are not to the top yet, but your visibility is going up, then that means there's a what we call a halo effect happening as all what was it the rising tides rise all ships or raise all ships. It's the same thing, right? So I just think that when we talk about KPIs, a lot of marketers will use it to mask not being really good at what they do. Not being effective. Yeah. Right. Hey, the traffic is way up. Let's focus on that. You'll you'll get sales in a few months. It'll happen. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep paying that retainer, right? (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and you know, I ran a creative agency for a long time and that was the first rendition of, of my marketing company. And we got caught in that right? Because it was those, you know, we're taught, you know, these are all the trailing KPIs that lead up to the revenue KPI. And that's just not where where people are at right now. Their attention span is much shorter. There's too many opportunities out there. There's so much competition saying, hey, I can do it better. I can do it better. I can do it better. So if we, the us folks have been around for a minute and understand foundational marketing techniques, understand that we have to move revenue needles fast. If we don't, we'll get gobbled up, you know, we'll get replaced by somebody who's probably not as good as we are, right? So setting those expectations are extremely important. We still got to deliver. Oh yeah. Well, I think just your standardized 26%, you know, that's it sounds attainable. It's, you know, not crazy. I'm not going to increase your your traffic by, you know, 500% overnight and it's justified. You know, I think because I think a lot of times it's just more is better. And so, but how much more? <laughs> right. How much more? Well, and that's that's the nice thing about the rule, though, is like, okay, you've done that once. Now we've proven the concept. And you're like, well, I want more sales. Okay, we'll just do it again. Now we'll have quadrupled the amount of sales you had before you came to me. 
I don't know anybody's going to fire you if you've quadrupled their sales coming from their website. Exactly. Well, and it, it's an easy reporting mechanism because that's the the other temptation is you're like, well, I'm going to track all this stuff. I'm going to send it to the client. They'll appreciate you know, it. But at the end of the day, the client probably doesn't even look at the report. <laughs> I, I, not even probably. I, I, I've served over 750 companies in the last 17 years. I can count on probably two hands how many of them actually looked at a full analytics report. And that's, you can't blame them. <laughs> they don't and care. And those were my worst clients. So it was <laughs> like, oh well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the ones that are going to, you know, discount like, your well, rate. Why is this one going down? I said, well, they all go up and down. That's, that's the way it goes. <laughs> oh. No, but well, well when we this, look at the ones that are going up and say, okay, that's yes. good. All right. And just then those at the, the ones that are going down is just tells mm -hmm. us where we need to look at this month or maybe this quarter. Right. And maybe something's going down is a good thing. Cause <laughs> I tell people all the time, it's like, we don't need just any traffic. I say it in the book, it's like, we want good traffic, right? Because there's a certain amount of profitability of not answering bad phone calls, right? If they're unqualified, then they, got, they don't call me. Like if you're not there, right? When we only had the white glove concierge services, I would put, I, I would make it sound like, hey, we're expensive. If you're worried about price, don't call me. If you're worried about results, let's talk, right? If price not the option, right? Because in the end of the day, smart business people know that ROI costs investment. Like you have to put the investment in to get return on investment, right? So it takes it to get it, right? So anybody who sees that knows, oh, these guys are serious about results. Okay, I like that. I don't care about the actual KPIs. I want the, I want the actual money in my bank. So yeah, so one of the things, the first things we talk about in the book is the fact that we need to filter out all the garbage so we understand the real traffic that's coming to our website and then focus on the keywords or or the ad sets or any all the copy whatever you're doing to bring people to your website has to be focused on your best clients. So I usually go backwards and I start with the third rule. And if I ever rewrote this book, I would start with that one to begin Certainly. with because it's usually the first one. It's the one that doesn't actually include your website, but it has everything to do with the profitability of it, which is increasing your average revenue per client. And we, we chunk that down to just one year. There's some people like a dentist, they get eight to 15 years with the client, right? So their average revenue is much higher, but I'm okay with that. Just looking at that one year, right? Cause that just helps us see where we're going this year. Right. And with that, there's things that, that will get in our way. Like, oh, well we are already premium priced. Okay. That's not a problem. Now we just have to expand the value that you're bringing to your clients right? So we're going to increase your engagement with your current clients and then use that as the framework to put into the front end of your website, bringing those types of people who are willing to spend that kind of money for whatever service you're, you're providing. So to get whatever outcome you're looking for, right? And making that happen. And so once we've done those two there, the conversion rate is kind of the lever, right? Because now we understand who we want to talk to, how they talk, what they're looking for, what they value, and at what price point they're looking for, right? So if we put that into the website, the conversion rates properly, the conversion rates will go up, right? 
And one of the tricks that I tell everybody is that it used to be that websites, especially in service-based industry, it used to be that the websites for service providers was all about us. We are awesome. We're an award-winning this, and we have this, and we've served this, and da, 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 da. I, me, us, we, right? Or no, the visitor doesn't care about you. They care about themselves. They're extremely selfish. They have one of two things that they came to this website to do. Either solve a problem or attain a dream. Can you say anything else that a service-based business does? They do one of those two things. So you need to talk about their problem or their dream, period. Once you have convinced them that you understand their problem or their dream, then you get to talk about a process in which you can solve a problem and or attain the dream. Still not talking about me. We're talking about a process, right? We're talking about service, right? Talking about thought process, right? Then in just right about there, everybody's like, all right, now we can talk about me. Yeah. Not on the homepage. <laughs> you have to ask for permission. An about us link. Learn more about us. Our team, get a good look. Once they click on that, they've now given you permission to boast all you want. Oh, I love that. I love that definition. Good. Well, because even the about us page, a lot of people don't realize that that's the second most visited page on your website. And a lot of times they'll just like, eh, blah. yeah, we're, we're located here. You contact oh, yeah. us. They, they, they forget <laughs> that the about us page and the contact page are two different pages. Oh yeah. No, no. They'll combine it all into one mess with a lot of useless information and like, yeah, here's our vision, whatever. Oh yeah. Right. The vision, the mission. Oh, I remember those days. Everybody had that. And and I think it's important to have them included, but not just listed. Like, yeah. don't give me your vision, right? Give me the what, why of the vision. And then yeah, how feel that... something about it, you know? Exactly. Like, give me the story. I want the story. Like, we we watch Netflix for stories. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Entertainment <laughs> is, in right? general. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, people, they forget the story, right? And the people who have a story, that can is relatable g win nine times out of 10. It's funny though, because you think like that's how people approach marketing is talking about themselves. But then you say, no, this is the one spot you can do that. And then it's like, eh, whatever. <laughs> so, so I think that's well, then, uh, when there's, when their conversion rate just sits here at like 0.05, if that, then I'm like, okay, well, when you're ready for that to move, let's move these words around so that we can start talking about the people there because they don't care about you, right? They don't care about what you know until they know how much you care. I know. And I stole that from somebody. I don't know who, but it's a popular saying now. And it's true though. Yours now. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about just technical specifics. And so you talked about actually finding that the voice of your customer, who that customer is, and then reaching out to them in that way. How do you go about figuring that out? For people who've already been in business, it's about talking, going back to your best clients. One of the first steps in understanding where your profitability lies is looking at your balance sheet. Not your balance sheet, your profit and loss, right? Take a look at your project management metrics and say, where are we getting the most value, right? So the people who are willing to pay what you're worth and respect your time enough to not rob it back by wasting your time. 
Okay. Those were, we call the little unicorns, right? And everybody has them. Like my perfect client looks like this, right? And I'm not talking like an avatar. I'm talking behavioral, right? They want this particular service and we do this one extremely efficiently. And when we do this type of client doesn't bug us. Like, you know, we're business owners. We're lazy, right? And lazy is good in profitability, right? Is because as long as you are producing, leveraging that laziness to produce more efficiently, there's nothing wrong with lazy, right? <laughs> so operations managers love lazy people. They give them the hard stuff and say, hey, go do this. They'll find a way to do it really efficiently because they don't want to do it, right? The same thing. So when we look at the who is making me the most money, not necessarily how much you're spending, but how you have to offset that by how much time they're taking. And then you have that net, and that's the profitability of the client itself. I'm not talking about any of the other expenses or anything like that. Just that right there, that gap. Who, what type? Is there a theme? Do you, have you done business with multiple types of that person? Once you've identified that, now you can go back to that set of clients and go, okay, why do you love us? What could we do better? If I were to charge another 20%, would you even blink? Ask all the hard questions. They're already your client. They already love you. Who cares what they say? They're only going to give you gold on attracting the next round of the perfect them. That's so simple. And it's, you know, you get, well, I think most people just overcomplicate it. And, you know, when you're doing the startup, that's the other part where it's like, I don't know anything. And then... Customer well, then you have to prove concept. You have yeah. to have a proof of concept and then proof of demand, right? Right. So now it's about, okay, well, let's go look, you know, who needs it the worst, right? Not the people who need it the worst are always the most profitable, but that's where we need to start, right? Who would be the easiest fit for whatever the product or service is? Okay. Now go talk to them. Like literally talk to them, call them up, find out where they hang out, network with them. I don't care how you get there. Just don't automate it. Be present when you're doing discovery. Okay. There's so many people who shortcut that process and they lose the nuances of having that conversation. If you're the one deciding what's being said on your website, you better be the one asking the questions because notes on the questions from somebody who's not fully engaged in the writing is going to lose so much of the detail. Because they're just in a rote process of trying to regurgitate with this person who they don't care about, right? But you as the business owner or you as the CMO who your, your livelihood is based on the success of this copy here, you're looking in, you're leaning in, you're looking at non-verbals, you're looking at inflection, you're listening for buzzwords, you're listening for repeated words uh, between people that you interview, all of those things count, right? And there's no way to automate that process unless you literally just record it and go do a search of every time they say whatever word has been repeated, right? But that doesn't give you the feeling to it. When they say that word, is it a disgust? Is it a hope? Is it an anger? Is it a happy? All of those things come in there because you want that, all of, the, all of that stuff has to come back in and then you have to like condense that, right? Because you can't just vomit on a homepage and go, they're going to read There's it all. everything. There's our 1500 <laughs> word, you know, homepage. <laughs> SEO optimized. We're good to go. No, no list. People don't, people don't look at that. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised. The trick is 
And we're redoing our website too, because it was too sparse on the homepage. And it is about segmenting the information. So you have to have the hook, right? Everybody knows that. Get the hook in the, in the header so that they'll come down a little bit farther, right? And then you have one other thing that supports, and then maybe you do some social proofing, maybe you do a couple other things and a call to action. But after that, the, there's some people who are ready to, to make action right then, learn more. There's other people who are more analytical. They want more information. And those people are not as likely to click as they are to scroll. So you will see landing pages. I mean, there are some hyper-converting landing pages that have like in the teens and 20 percentiles landing pages selling stupid stuff out there. And the, the page is actually over-optimized. And it literally repeats itself up to three times. Because sometimes people just have to be told a couple more times before they go, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this one. Yeah, nothing nothing bugs you more as a marketer where they say something that you have said for the last three years. And they're like, oh, yeah, I know you mentioned this the other day. And you're like, I hate you. <laughs> Frequency. It's all about people have to hear it, man. Like we have like some studies said that we have less of a, what is it? Goldfish has a higher detention span than we do now. Yeah, I, I believe it. Well, they don't have all the distractions constantly. So I mean, many. 3,000 messages a day, not including icons, just like active messages being thrown at us. Oh, active day. messages. Actually, that's a good one. Yeah, because I think one article I saw estimated 25,000 ads per day. Right. Well, I mean, shoot, you put your underwear on, what does it got on it? Yeah. Well, I always tell people, I'm like, just look around the room you're in right now. How many logos yeah. do you see? Because each one my of logo, those... I got HP, I've got Samsung. <laughs> oh, you have a bookshelf. I have a flask. <laughs> I have Ryan's books right in front of me. There's like 500 of them, and that's 500 <laughs> logos and 500 brands, and yeah, no, that's easy. You're all you're all bought in now. You got <laughs> yeah, you got that's... the frequency. <laughs> well, you know what? What I did realize. And hopefully Ryan doesn't listen to this, but I realized that the best thing, because we, you know, this is a studio, so we're always putting stuff on different levels. Books are fantastic for changing the level of almost anything. You just need enough books. <laughs> right. I think I, I set up a desk and I was like, oh, I got something to hold this up. And I, I just piled up books <laughs> until I had the right height. So that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> How many books has he written? Oh, well, actually, that's a good question. We have the main book, the Digital Marketer you know, Guide for Dummies, but I'll have to ask him about that. He's read like every marketing and business book ever. Like it's, we have a storage room of marketing books and then that's, this isn't even the headquarters. Headquarters has walls of books. Wow. It's, it's incredible. That's why on the website, we're actually starting Ryan's library where it's just, here's all the books, <laughs> you know. I've been right. doing it. Well, in, in reading this book, I started reading more. And then my next book, Digital Marketing Made Simple, which is an acronym for the six-step six, six process of digital marketing. That one, I mean, I've been just consuming so much before I write. Like I have the outline. I understand what I want, but I don't want to repeat what's already out there. So a lot of pointing like, okay, so-and-so says this. So if you want that framework, go over there. So-and-so says this, and I agree with it. Go over there and get that framework. These wow, frameworks here is to get you through all of those frameworks, right? Because people get tactics. They get a book, and there's a, ta there's a book of tactics. This is a book of tactics right here. I tell you the, the rule, and then I go, here are a bunch of tactics to help you get to where you want to go, okay? 
Much more evergreen. Love it. So yeah, very evergreen, right? But you have like Mike Michalowicz. I was on his road team. He wrote Profit First, was a toilet paper entrepreneur, the pumpkin plan. Does it, it I don't know if you know him. So I was on his street team selling to promote his marketing book, Get Different, right? It's one acronym as one framework over 250 pages. Great book. Lots of stories, right? And I'm like, for me, I get it, but it makes it for a faster read because I go, oh, he's going into a story. <laughs> the next thing, <laughs> right? That. I skip over I all the it. anecdotes. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, but, I'm, I'm going through that right now with, have you seen Published by Chandler Bolt? I have. He's actually one of our instructors. And so he, he sent me the book and I'm, I'm writing my book or I wrote a book back in 2015 called Unconventional Marketing and haven't done anything since. So now I'm going to do tentatively called oh my god just go and it's just my experience with the the 200 small businesses i worked with over the last few years doing marketing and here just just go do it (laughs) do it here's the tools there is there is i think it's indiana university or iowa university they did a study and they they actually came up with a concept called strategy on the go and it literally like it debuffs the whole like stop do strategy plan then launch and then it really creates this very digital process. And creative agencies and big ad agencies, that's how they work. And that's why they're so slow. But small businesses can't do that. So there's this analog way of doing it where there's a mixture of strategy and execution always happening. And so it's kind of an ebb and flow, right? And the bigger you get, the more resources you have, the more both of them can be at the same frequency. But you have a lot of people that talk about the ebbs and flows of business. Well, it's usually because they got to get into sales, they got to get into production, got to get into sales, got to get into production, right? And they're going back and forth. Well, if you keep your strategy on the go, you can flatten that wavelength a little bit without even adding anybody because you're doing a little bit of both. And then finding that bandwidth to just amplify it helps you get things done. So oh, look that, that up as you're concept. doing your research for your book. For my, yeah, my 500 book review. Oh my gosh. Actually, any, any reviews you want to send, send away. <laughs> <laughs> I have to find this study again. I, 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 I came across it back in 2010. So I'll have to do, I'll have to dig because I'm sure I saved it somewhere. I'll send it to you. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, back on your book, The Rule of 26, let's just talk about <laughs> conversions. Let's, let's yes. talk about that that KPI. Because I think conversions for a lot of businesses, easy for e-commerce. Did they buy something? Not so easy for high-end services. So how do you... Is it the same KPI for, for everyone? Yes, 100%. You are not going... This is what that's funny because you have these people who have like these SaaS products that are like $5 to 50 bucks a month, right? And then you have these folks selling $5,000 a month retainers. And I tell people it takes just as much energy to sell the $50 recurring revenue as the $5,000 if you do it correctly. Period of story. Okay. You still have to create, there's less trust, but you still have to be able to identify them, convince them that this is worth their time to figure out. Okay. People won't waste their time learning something if they don't believe it will help them. Okay. And the only difference between a $50 retainer and a $5,000 retainer is how much they have to invest in the outcome. Because you either have more money than time or more time than money. 
That's where your difference is. So when you're when you are out there looking for a high ticket item, stop talking to people who would have to leverage their own house to hire you. They're never going to buy it. Okay? Or they'll strap to buy it and be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I tell people all the time, you do not borrow money to market. Period. In a story. That's great I don't advice. care. The best marketers in the world do cannot guarantee the actual outcome. They can guarantee their time. I have guarantees, but that's, I guarantee that I will deliver this and I will work until I get that delivered. So you will only pay this until I give you this. And then once I've proven that, then we can decide we can move forward from there. That's the only thing you can guarantee. Because the timeline for a lot of things is usually twice as much. And the budget's three times as much because you underestimate the market, right? Because people don't slow down enough to do that. But everything we've talked about before goes into what I just said. Like you are talking to the person. So yeah, you could say, I like to work with chiropractors. Okay. How long has your best, your best clients been that are chiropractors been in business? How many patients do they have? How many patients do they have the bandwidth for? How much have they been spending on marketing before you versus after you? All of these things will be triggers to the right fit. So now you actually have out there in trigger land. So when you have your, your sales funnel and you get people uh, over a tripwire, they'll actually send them to a qualifier before they'll even give them the next piece of the added value. And the smart ones, what they do is they say, okay, well, you're not qualified. So I'm going to send you actually to somebody else. And I'm going to get pennies on the dollar for sending this quasi warm lead over to this other person who actually focuses on people with more time than money and has a system to monetize that to where they're not getting the life sucked out of them and they're making money. Love it. Keep the bad traffic off your website. Yeah. Well, and, and your worst traffic is somebody else's best traffic. Right. And I think <laughs> it's always worth something. <laughs> right. 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 Exactly. Oh, for sure. A one man's trash is another man's treasure for sure. hundred percent. And that that's where that networking comes in. Right. That's where like the partners, the digital marketing partners come in where it's like, Oh, you do. Oh, great. You do those people. Great. Here you go. <laughs> and they're them. like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm like, thank God. Thank God. Thank God. But <laughs> Crazy hey, if they're making money with it and that's, and they're happy making money with that and they're pr producing results for those people that I just did everybody in this, in that relationship a favor. I did my, myself a favor by expanding the bandwidth of people who really can take advantage of my services. They got business that they probably desperately need, right? Or are happy to take. And the person that they're get, they're serving is getting the right fit. And I think that people forget that the client is the most important piece of this equation. And if you look and approach your website marketing with client first lenses, you will win 10 times more than the people who go the other way. Or the people that never even ask the question. You know, I think that's, it's probably the worst thing, yeah, especially with website, because I did website development and it was always you know, very, here's what I want on the website. And then I, I would always say like, well, who cares? <laughs> like, you don't know what you're doing. Like <laughs> yeah, you think these things, well, because it's, it's so true with, with small business owners, like they like certain things. They like neat graphics. They right. like neat videos. Mm -hmm. Don't care about copy, like whatever. <laughs> and it's the most important thing. <laughs> don't care about metrics. 
Like, yeah, yeah, drive a up. Websites, we start with the words. We don't even show them in graphics until the, all of the words are ready. Oh, that's that's smart. Yeah, And then, then, and only then, do we start looking at wireframes and or assets and icons and all the other things that go there. We already know how it, because com- the conversation, how we started this whole, this whole conversation is that the conversation has a flow. If you look at your copy, like you looked at a sales call, you would probably rewrite your website today, right? Did you start with, hey, I'm awesome. I'm buzz. Let's <laughs> do me. this. Right? No, we said, how are you? How was your day? What's bugging you today? What's your biggest thought? Right? We ask with questions. We show empathy. We have to relate first, then position a solution, and then only then fill that need for likability and trustability. Because as service providers, that's who people do business with people they like and trust. Hey, Ryan Dice here. You know, it's been a while since I've run the day-to-day for Digital Marketer, the company that Roland and I are partners in. Fortunately, we have a great team and great partners who help us with all that nitty-gritty stuff now. But the one thing that we focused on while I was there and the one thing the team still focuses on to this day is optimizing everything. I'm talking testing everything from the sales copy to the color of the checkout button. Testing like this can have a huge impact on your bottom line, but the truth is it takes a lot of time and a lot of resources. And half the time, we were just throwing stuff against the wall just to kind of see what stuck. But the good news is you don't have to figure everything out on your own anymore. And that's because our friends at Conversion Fanatics have optimized hundreds of sites in all types of industries from small startups to Fortune 500s. And now they can handle all your testing and optimization for you too. So if you feel stuck when it comes to optimizing your website, go and visit conversionfanatics.com and they'll give you a list of custom suggestions to optimize your site 100% free. Once again, you can find them at conversionfanatics.com. Well, let's talk really quick about onboarding because if you don't set the tone right, right off the bat with a new client, even a qualified client who's your perfect client potential, then you could screw up that relationship really quickly, potentially. And you, it's, it's very difficult to, to change course once you've got going. Right. Yeah. The first 90 days is, I mean, people think the first, the, a lot of people will say within the first 30 days. The problem with saying 30 days is, yeah, you, you, you charge, like you're over serving, right? You're over delivering mm-hmm. for 30 days and then <laughs> it goes God. away. You're like, what happened? And the client's <laughs> like, well, this is weird. Like, oh, okay. Like my second bill came in though. And I guess they made enough money that I don't matter. <laughs> don't right? care. Yeah. But if you look at your sprints at a 90 day period and you look at your onboarding past just the onboarding, like getting your... Um, if you're in web development or even in digital marketing at, at, at any level, you are going to need credentials, right? Have a process that that happens in the first week, period in a story. And understand that 90% of them don't know where their passwords are at. So you're going to have to have all of the supporting documentation to send them immediately. What do you have? Oh, you have a squ- Squarespace. Okay, here you go. Boom. This is how you go get that. Oh, you have WordPress. Here you go get this. Google. Oh, where's your Gmail? Okay, here, here's this piece of paper. Boom, right? You're sending them what they need so that you can get what you need to get started, right? 
And then, so what we do is we set up the first 90 days as like setting the pace. And that by the end of the 90 days, we have something measurable and we have met a goal. So none of my services go a six month goal. SEO, I will tell them, hey, it's going to be six to 12 months before we really see the revenue moving stuff that happens. It can take that long, depending on where you're at, right? But in the meantime, here are all the other things that have to happen for that to, to, to go. And here are one or two KPIs that show us we're in the right direction. Done. So in the first 90 days, I tell them, we're going to double your search engine visibility. I don't care where you're at. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to guarantee that. I'm not going to take another dime of your money until we do that. Because if we're not doing that, none of the keywords that we're looking at are going anywhere. Right? We, we haven't done what we're supposed to do. So why should you keep paying us to try to figure it out? That's our job. You came to us as an expert and we own that, right? And I think that's one of the things that a lot of people and shoot employees will do. Well, they didn't send me this and they wouldn't call me back. And well, I, I left a message, right? <laughs> <laughs> I sort of did my job. <laughs> it's in their But court. it's like, well, if, if we look at onboarding, like we look at sales, who wins in sales? The person who follows up. The people who follow up. Exactly. So who wins in onboarding? The people who follow up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then at the end of that 90 days, have another 90-day plan. You want to keep clients for 15 years? That's my longest standing client on retainer. Okay. Have a plan. And every 30 days, not every year, every 90 days, sorry. Every 90 days, have a new plan. Okay. It can have elements of the continuing plan, right? But there has to be movement, right? Nobody's in business to stay flat. Have you met one yet? Happy at flat. <laughs> yeah, happy at flat. I don't know it's anybody. Like, if you're not growing, you're dying. Retired business owner. That's that. Like, ah, that's the sell makes money. I'm not going to sell it. <laughs> right. And then like three years later, when you talk to him, they're like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> it's not working anymore. It's like, yeah, things change. Right. Sorry. I, I had a, a gentleman who called me up. He's in HVAC. And he's got one truck, one guy, whole nine yards. And he took a break from that to do something else. And then he retired from that and he came back to this and he's like, well, it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> like, well, how long were you gone? Oh, like five, six years. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of change in the last five, six years when it comes to website marketing. And so I can understand why that's not working for you anymore. <laughs> Well, I think there there is a little, it, I don't think it's a fallacy, but it's much more difficult than people make it sound, which is automating your business. And I, I only work four hours a week, you know, the, the Tim Ferriss. And it's like, yeah, but you built a multi-million dollar company. And yeah, now it does that for a certain amount of time, but you're probably still going to have to work it if you want it to grow. So, Agency owners and myself included, we get caught in that. Like I'm only going to work 30 hours a week. And I'm going to build a multi-million dollar agency. My first multi-million dollar agency, even at year 15, I was working at least 40 hours a week as a CEO. Okay. Second time around, I got to the point where I was like, okay, I, I've, I've, I've been able to delegate enough. I don't have to really worry about it. But then I found out I did because I would start getting some of the feedback of like, you know, you, you just come back from like Mexico and you get the, so I got this back and this doesn't look right type of thing. And you're like, Oh, the point is that you have to have for you to work a four hour work week. 
you have to have a mini you doing your work or a bunch of minions that can are all a little piece of you that can all work together to replace you. But you have to fully replace and pay for you. So many owners are like, well, I want to hold on to my $100,000 salary and my draws. It's not going to work. Not, not, I mean, unless you're overcharging maybe and under delivering, uh, that's the only, the only way to look at it. Mat- mattress store owners. <laughs> they always seem to be rolling in it somehow. <laughs> Margin must be like a billion percent. <laughs> right. Well, in, 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 in retail, it's very common, right? Like you get a store manager, you're the owner, you work four hours a week right? Gas, gas station. Yeah. But I mean, those are not service-based service-based businesses start usually with the founder doing the service. And then it's a process of replacing you all the little hats, the e-myth, the Michael Gerber e-myth, right? But a good strategy that I found in my last rendition of my business is Mike Michalowicz wrote a book called Profit First. And he literally shows you on paper, as far as the money goes, how to replace you when it comes to salary versus draws. And I think a lot of people need to understand that. Understand the money behind your business. It will help you understand how to budget to replace yourself. Love that. And where you need to be to be able to do that. My first agency was at like 2.3, $2.4 million in revenue. And we had over 20, 20 employees. That's not a profitable company. But I didn't know any better. I just figured we'd just grow, in, grow into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll make it up in volume. That's, that's the... <laughs> <laughs> that was it. We were like the Costco of marketing for a minute. <laughs> no, I think, well, with my agency, I was the exact opposite where I did that math and I was like, well, to get to this point, I'm going to need 10 employees and then I'm going to make less money than I make right now by myself. So I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and then you just kept doing it all yourself anyway. Took yeah, up or down. Uh, well, yeah. Well, I got hired digital marketer. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. You know, yeah. With my agency, my thing was I I always wanted to build digital marketer. I didn't really, I didn't even know about digital marketer at the time, but my goal was to train small business owners how to do digital marketing so they could do it themselves. Oh. And so well, then you, you get you start with that, and then people are like, "Well, could you just do it?" And then you're like, "Yeah, I guess I could do it." And then six years go by, <laughs> and you're you're fifty clients deep all the time, and you're like, "Okay, this is not." not what i intended so you so, never hired uh no i i did hire but only like one or two people at a time everything else was either i, I did outsource some stuff but i did like 95 percent gotcha. of the work and yeah. all the creative work so it was you know it was intense but i was sort of doing what i wanted to do but i only ended up teaching because i i shot three thousand plus videos tutorials to show people how to do these things and then I started realizing, I'm like, nobody's watching these videos. <laughs> it's because they were all custom for each client. And so I, I found that I had a 5% rate of successfully teaching my clients. And I was like, this is, so that's Ouch. why I came to marketers. Marketers actually like to learn. And so it's like, oh, this is, I'll just go to the people who want it. <laughs> so I'm out. I had a book idea. Yeah, no, you're, you're talking like, I went through the same thing you went through, but except I, but it was right as COVID hit and I had a, a concept for a book and it was called the Par- the honeycomb paradigm, which was the six phases of the process, which is now called the simple framework, which is six as well. And the crazy thing about that is I went through the outline of everything and I'm like, nobody's gonna read this. <laughs> and so I got smart <laughs> enough just not to shelved it. I was like, I'm not writing that book. <laughs> hey, that's the, probably saved yourself, you know, a thousand hours or something. 
I mean, shoot, this book right here is only 120 pages and that sucked the life out of me for a minute. But now I know how to write the book, right? Like yes. I, I actually read a book about writing books to write my book. <laughs> I, that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm published. That's, that's... I don't know how long your book is, but there was a guy, the guy that I, uh, Mike Bacuzzi is what his name is. And he wrote a book about how to write a short book, right? Because, and, that, and that's what this is, what he calls a shook right? And the funny thing is, is I used this framework the whole nine yards. And then I got into pushing the book. So I got into podcast guest speaking. And I ended up on his show. My agent was like, here, yeah, we're, we're going to talk to this guy. I'm like, oh, okay, great. And I started doing the research. I'm like, oh, wait, this is the guy who wrote the, the book. Help me write the book. And so he did his research on me. So when I came on the show, he was just like, oh, like, oh my God. And we ended up talking more about me writing the book with his framework. Than we hey, talked about my book. That's awesome. Well, it's effective. There you go. You did it. And I gave him shots. Shot out. I mean, he did. He gave. I mean, we talk about value in advance. This guy did. Like you, could, if you were the two percent that can read a book and execute, like I did, then you're great. It's the other ninety-eight percent. They're going. Wow, that's way too much. I'm gonna talk to this guy. Call him. Dot. 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 Right. And go into their service and help him because he talks about how. Hey, if you come to me, I'll have your book written in thirty days. Like, that's, that's good. It's my first book. I think I want to see what it looks like, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know? Bust it out. Yeah, well, right. that's Jan- Chandler Bolt's thing, too, is I think it's 90 days or something like that, but it's the outline and the mind mapping and all that kind of stuff. But it's it's very, it makes it doable. That's probably, because everybody just looks at, oh, I got to write 500 pages. That's long. <laughs> like, don't think of it like that. 2,500 be- words a day. Just start there. See where you go, Right. One of the things I'll tell you, Mark, is that that I learned is an editor. Find your editor, mm. right? Yeah. Before you're so done with your first draft, just find an editor that you can trust and is on the same page as you and is not going to charge you $30,000 to look at your stuff, you know, because, you know, you don't necessarily need that. Like most people, you know, it's like, especially your first book, like anybody's first book, find, just go to Upwork and find somebody who is, does that does that type of editing for your type of book right and just find that and and go cheap on the first one go short and go cheap on the first one so you understand the process you've already written a book so you get it you know but i just talked to a friend of mine who is about to launch her book next week and she's poised to be a new york times bestseller number one bestseller and i mean she's been marketing this thing for six, seven months. And I've been on a her street team as well, helping her out, you know, and it's just like, there's a lot of moving parts when you want to get to that level. If you want to do it right. Like there's some people who are like, well, just give me 40 grand and I'll give you the sticker that says you're a number one world wall street journal or da, 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 because they have this list that they send to them and they all have an agreement that they buy the book at a certain time so that it, it spikes and everybody's there, but it's getting harder and harder to fake it. Right. Mm-hmm. But editing, I mean, who cares if you're number one? If nobody likes the book, it doesn't have yeah, any legs. Nobody gets anything from it. Doesn't matter. Well, I'm definitely gonna read your book. On that regard, where can I get it? You can get it at the rule of uh, it's rule of two six dot com. R O R U L E, I can't spell. Oh two six dot com. Rule of two six dot com. That's that'll have a link to the Amazon. Um and but I, I always say download the ebook so you can make copious notes and, and do whatever. But I do have an offer. If you email me a copy of your ebook download, 
receipt, I will send you a signed copy to you. Just tell me where you want it mailed and who you want it made out to, and I will send that to you as well. Awesome. Well, you guys check out the links. We'll make sure they're in the description. And uh, actually, I think we have your listing on the Certified Partner Directory, right? I think that came out yet last week. Awesome. Yeah. So check out digitalmarketer.com slash certified partner directory. I should probably know that. We'll put the link in the description as well. The worst. (laughs) (laughs) I messed mine up and mine was much shorter. So (laughs) there you go. I'm like, I'll just guess. I'll just make a redirect. I designed the website. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks for having me, Mark. Yeah. Thanks for the nice seeing you again so quickly after a training day. That was a blast. And uh, we'll see you again soon. All right. Sounds great. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. We're having more of these every single week. I think we shot five this week. So uh, stay tuned for more experts on digital marketing and lifestyle and small business very soon. This is Digital Marketing. Hey, DM listeners, if you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up, because Digital Marketer just released our Canva holiday promo pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The promo pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates.